0: How great is our God what a wonderful way for us to worship the risen Lord and Savior this Palm Sunday boys and girls thank you for sending in your Palm Sunday videos for us to help us worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that 2,000 years ago those Passover pilgrims joined together saying Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and so thank you for joining that chorus of worshipers this morning and helping us worship the risen Lord and Savior this Palm Sunday You know, Palm Sunday is the opening ceremonies of the Holy Week service. And I was thinking, what are ways that we can celebrate Jesus, this Holy Week, even when we can't gather together? And I was running past one of our church members' homes this past week, and as I got close to the two's home, I looked into the windows there, and I saw these crosses that maybe, maybe, I don't know, but I think Bradley and Avery and Addie had cut out and had colored. And as I saw those crosses in the windows of their home, I thought, what a great idea to be able to celebrate this Holy Week that our central focus is that empty cross, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So boys and girls, can I give you a Holy Week challenge? Would you would you join the twos and maybe other families in our community by cutting out a cross? You can use any of the material that you have at your house, and maybe coloring that cross and you can put it in your window. And what a wonderful way for us to show all that would walk by, all that would ride their bike by, all that would maybe even drive by our house this week, that our hope is in the central truth that Jesus came to this earth, he died upon the cross, but he's not there. He's raised from the dead, and that is our hope in the glory of the empty cross. So would I give you that? Uh, would you take that up as a challenge this Holy Week? Ms. Brooke and Ms. Danielle, they're going to follow up from this message, and they're going to give you even a template on social media so that you're able, moms and dads, to be able to print that off or print off your own or do your own. It doesn't matter. But that would be a great way for us as a church to show solidarity, and it would be a great, great way for our boys and girls, our children, to be able to lead us once again in worship as we come to this Holy Week. It is Palm Sunday, opening ceremonies of sorts for the Holy Week. Monday, Thursday is coming, Good Friday is coming, and then the exclamation point of Resurrection Sunday. Mark chapter 11 is our guide this morning, so I'm gonna encourage you to take your copy of God's word. We're gonna read the first 10 verses of Mark chapter 11, that original Palm Sunday entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. You have your copy of God's word? Starting with me in verse one, we read, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and to Bethany and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and as immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away. And they found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many, many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Mark chapter 11 gives us this wonderful picture of that first Palm Sunday. And what I want you to see in your copy of God's word are two Palm Sunday truths. That we can hold on to, as we too see, and we 're reminded of the hope of Jesus coming in two thousand years ago on that call into Jerusalem for the mission that God had called him to complete two truths from this Palm Sunday scripture that I want you to hold on to, and the first truth from god 's word is, I want you to see the character of King Jesus, the character of King Jesus, kings, uh, kings, and army generals in the the time of Jesus, that Greco-Roman world, they would oftentimes, after they had been to battle, they would come back home and they would mount these large horses and they would ride before the citizens. And at times they would have prisoners of war chained behind them and all of their citizens would gawk at and jeer at them. And it was a way, sort of this kind of symbolic parade of showing, look how strong I am, look how powerful I am. It was political theater at its best. And here we have Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords coming not on this mighty war stallion but rather almost the opposite of that, a a young donkey, a a colt. Isn't it interesting that of all the animals that Jesus could have ridden into Jerusalem on, he comes not on a mighty stallion, but he comes on a, a colt, a, an animal that is central casting if you're going to find an animal for a hobbit to ride on. Uh, it, it's not something that, that draws respect. I mean, how often would you hear someone say, look at this majestic donkey? It's not what we normally say. It's not what they said then, and it's not what we say now. But, but why a colt? Why a young donkey? Uh, You see, it's not coincidental, Jesus in our passage here, he intentionally tells the disciples to go and to get this cult here. It is something that Jesus had planned. It was a providential act of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And why would he do that? Well, one reason is, is because those old testament passover pilgrims they would have known that god's word in zechariah chapter 9 it predicted one day when the king the messiah would come into jerusalem here the word of god in zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 rejoice greatly rejoice greatly o daughter of zion shout daughter of jerusalem see your king comes to you righteous and having salvation gentle Notice that word gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt. Zechariah chapter 9 reminds us that what Jesus is doing is not accidental, it's not coincidental, but it is a providential fulfillment of prophecy itself. That Jesus by enacting this this event is saying I am him. I am the one who Zechariah prophesied of, I am the coming Messiah. Now notice that Zachariah gives us a word that is so unique when we think of a king. Notice that Zechariah says that, that the king, the Messiah who would come riding a colt, would be a, a gentle king. Uh, the donkey, that colt, it shows us the character of Jesus, doesn't it? It shows us the character of the king of kings. Zechariah uses the word gentle. Now, in our understanding, this is contradictory. Uh, who would say, look at that gentle king, look at that gentle general. It seems oxymoronic. It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? We, We think in our culture that the bigger the ego, the better the leader. Uh, if someone has unabashed pride, oftentimes we celebrate that. We applaud it and say, look how driven he is. Look at all the stuff that she can get done. But notice how different the kingdom of God is compared to the kingdom of our world. Notice how the values of God's kingdom and the values of our world are different. And we see this in that description of a gentle king. Gentleness oftentimes in our culture is perceived as weakness is perceived as someone who gets run over in life but notice one of the primary characteristics of our Savior is that he was a gentle king that rode not on a mighty war stallion but rode on a colt a young donkey in Jesus's day the word gentle It was used not as a word to describe weakness, but in the Greek language, the word for gentleness was used for a horse that had been bridled a horse that had been tamed. Think about that horse, this mighty horse that has all this strength, all of this power. But if you get someone who is 100 pounds, who knows how to bridle that horse and can take in the reins of that horse, that horse will do whatever the rider says for it to do. And so it is when we're bridled by the Holy Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit to have the reins of our life, so there is a gentleness it takes strength to show kindness, doesn't it? It shows strength to be patient, doesn't it? Uh, it doesn't take any type of strength or restraint whatsoever to be rude, to be egotistical, but to Walk in humility is a sign that we are bridled by the Holy Spirit. It is a sign that the Apostle Paul would say as he's writing to the church in Galatia that one of the fruit of the spirits, one of the aspect of, of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Gentleness. Yes, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, but gentleness is one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And so it is with the King of kings and the Lord of lords that he was one who was known for kindness, known for gentleness. Remind yourself of that wonderful story of the woman called in adultery. There she was, and all of the leaders of the day had their stones ready to cast at her. But there it was when Jesus says, who of you has no sin cast the first stone? And so they all went away, and so Jesus embraced her in that moment, looked her in the eyes, and said, where are all of your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The gentleness of our savior the tenderness of our savior the kindness of our savior one of the indelible marks of the maker upon your life and my life, especially in a world that values at times rudeness above all other things and drivenness and ego and and narcissism abounds. So one of the aspects that is so contradictory to our culture and so uh, uh, cross-culture or counter-culture, excuse me, is this aspect of kindness and gentleness. 18 years ago I walked into a class, Worship Leadership was the name of the class. It was at Beeson Divinity School at Sanford where I was working on my Master of Divinity. And there I met for the first time my professor, an adjunct professor. Uh, his name is Dr. Bob Hatfield. Uh, if you're not a member of Dawson, maybe you don't know Dr. Bob, but all of you who are members and longtime members and those that are even new to our church, know the indelible mark that Bob Hatfield has made on our church over 30 years, our music and worship pastor here at Dawson. And one of the influences that he has upon this church is this characteristic of of gentleness and kindness. I read some wonderful books in that class. I heard some really good lectures. There, There was a lot that I learned about worship leadership in that class. But the most valuable lesson I learned was the value of the Holy Spirit working in the life of a leader, and that that uh, undeniable characteristic of gentleness and kindness that flowed through his life that was inspiring to me then and continues now as he and Miss Polly are members of our church even now. And so I ask you: Do you desire? Do you desire the gentleness? Of our Savior? Do you desire to live a life marked by the kindness and humility of a king of kings and lord of lords who would come not on a mighty war stallion, but would come upon a young colt into Jerusalem? He's a gentle king, and when he has the reins of your life and when he has the reins of my life, so gentleness, gentleness is what people see in us kindness, humility. This is the character. Of king jesus but notice also in this passage the calling of king jesus they place those original passover pilgrims they place their cloaks on the road they wave leafy branches leafy branches they in this moment begin to uh, welcome and to celebrate the long-awaited king that has come they were longing for the messiah to come They they join in the words of Psalm 118. They're quoting Psalm 118. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. These words were words that worshipers hundreds of years before this Palm Sunday would, would utter when they came into the temple. Hosanna literally means, do you know what it means? It means save us. And so as we look at Psalm 118, when the worshipers would enter the temple, they they were desiring to worship God. Now here, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And so these Passover pilgrims that had come, they see the Messiah coming. They see him as the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter nine. But in their mind, when they're saying, save us, Do you know what they are ultimately thinking that Jesus, as the Messiah, is going to do? They they think in their minds that he's going to purge their nation of Roman invaders, the Roman overlords. They think in their mind that he, the Messiah, is going to come, and he's going to resurrect the glory days of the Davidic kingdom. They think in their minds that he is going to brandish a sword and lead them to freedom. But that's not, is it? That's not the calling of King Jesus. Notice in this passage here that he is coming for a different calling, a a higher calling. Danielle and I lived in New Orleans uh, decades ago. It wasn't abnormal for us to be eating in the French Quarter and we would hear music playing and we would see a parade of people dressed to the tea in their Sunday best, kind of parading, dancing, Uh, Down the streets and you would look and you'd be able to make out a bride and a groom They would have uh, the bride would have her umbrella and would be dancing It would just be these shouts of acclamation and joy joyous singing that was going on They would have been leaving where they got married and they were parading to where the wedding reception would be Uh, That wasn't uncommon for us to see on the streets of New Orleans I remember one time when we were eating in the quarter and I heard music. I looked out the window of where we were eating and I saw people dressed in, to the tee in their Sunday best. But as I was looking for the bride and the groom in that parade, I, I couldn't find them. And I said, Danielle, I don't, I don't know what kind of wedding parade that is. She began to look closer and she said, David, there's a casket. I, I thought I thought I was watching a wedding parade but what I was seeing was a funeral March these original Passover pilgrims on that first Palm Sunday they think they're watching a parade but what they are actually seeing is a man who is headed to his death they knew he was the Messiah they knew that he was the fulfillment of the prophecies of old, but they didn't know this, that he was coming to fight a greater enemy, a, a greater enemy than Rome itself. They, they wanted to crown him with a crown, not knowing that on Friday he would be crowned with a crown of thorns. They wanted him to take up a sword, not realizing that just a few days later that there would be a sword that would pierce his side. They were watching, they thought, a parade, but really what they were seeing was a man on his own funeral march. Jesus, in that first Palm Sunday, he's headed to the cross. The cross, the greatest injustice ever committed, the perfect son of God who is tortured and killed, why? We need to always have this at the forefront here at the opening ceremonies of Holy Week, Palm Sundays. We head to Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. Why did God the Father allow his perfect son to be so tortured and killed, to be betrayed, to be beaten, to suffer? Well, this is his calling, I remind you, his death for our sins. God allowed the unthinkable the death of his son, to bring about the unimaginable, your and mine, our forgiveness. You understand that that, uh, that, that empty cross is a reminder to us that even on Palm Sunday, that there is victory over the enemy. Do you, do you know today that even this Palm Sunday, that there is an enemy that still lurks in our world. So there's an enemy that is still in our world and no there are no Roman invaders that are stationed around our homes there is none of that but there's an enemy that is here and we know that that enemy has changed our life and our nation and our world forever and know that those Passover Christians or those Passover pilgrims uh, 2000 years ago they didn't know the real reason to celebrate on Palm Sunday they didn't know that Jesus they did not know was going to fulfill His calling. They understood what they thought the Messiah needed to do, but He, Jesus, entered into our pain, embraced every ounce of the contagion of sin, and guess what, He defeated it. And because He defeated it, He gives us, through faith in Him and faith in the finished work of Jesus, He gives us victory over any and every foe that this world has, and we'll see. Those original pilgrims, they didn't understand everything that God was up to that first Palm Sunday. They knew that the Messiah was coming into Jerusalem, but they didn't quite understand fully the calling of the Messiah. And so this Palm Sunday, we are Passover pilgrims. We're joining the chorus, hailing the coming of the King Also understanding, though, that we don't always understand all that God is up to in our world. I love the way John Piper, the popular pastor and author, once said that God is always doing, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you maybe are aware of three of them. Do Do you understand that this Palm Sunday? that you don't have to have access. I don't have access to all of God's omniscient and perfect answers to all of my finite human questions. I don't know all of God's answers to the human why questions, but this I know that I'm okay. This I know that God's word tells me and tells you that we have hope for today and assurance for all of our tomorrows because of that Passover. Pilgrims who celebrated the coming of the King, the calling of the King, it wasn't what they anticipated, but what is our hope is that Jesus came and he took upon himself sin and he died upon a cross, and that's not the end of the story, but he was raised on the third day. And ultimately any and every person who turns from self, turns from sin and trusts in the finished work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every person who believes that he lived a perfect life, trusts by faith in his death, his burial, his resurrection all of us we're headed to a place that I know for sure the reason I know for sure is because God's Word tells me I don't know all that is before us tomorrow you, you don't either but I do know this as a follower of Jesus I am headed to a heavenly parade in Revelation chapter 7 there's another time where we read of palm branches and it's one of these passages that I want you to hold onto because it is your future and it is my future. Listen to John's words in the book of Revelation, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages that were standing before the throne and before the lamb, Jesus, himself. They were clothed in white robes. And you know what they had in their hands? Palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. I don't have all the answers, the why questions of what you might be experiencing in your life, the uncertainty that is around us, even this Palm Sunday. But this I am sure of is that God is still omniscient and he is still all powerful. He is loving and he is good and his son is still on the throne and there is salvation that is found in no other name than the name of Jesus. So we join with those Passover pilgrims 2,000 years ago saying, Hosanna, save us, knowing that one day that we will be in a heavenly parade worshiping him for the eternity to come. This, even in the midst of uncertain days, I am certain of. Are you? Let us pray. Gracious God, I pray for any person that is watching today in the midst of uncertainties, those Palm Sunday pilgrims, they didn't understand all of what the Messiah was going to do. They didn't understand all of what God had in store for the Messiah who entered into Jerusalem. Not in their mind did they understand that he would willingly give up his life. Not in their mind did they understand that he would be a king who wouldn't kick everyone out, but would be a king that would willingly die for those very Roman overlords. And so it is that that is the hope of this Palm Sunday, that your son came and he embraced the very contagion of sin, a a sin that always leads to death, and he defeated it once and forevermore. And so we have hope when we turn to him in the face of uncertainty, when we turn to him in the face of our own sin. So I pray for every person that is watching today that they would turn to you. I pray for all of us who do not have uh, all knowing answers to all of our why questions. I pray that we would trust. That you are good and you're God and you're still on your throne even in the midst of the uncertainty around our own Palm Sunday this year. We thank you God that you're a God who sent your son and today we look to him for the assurance of our hope for the tomorrows before us. We pray this in the name of your son and our Savior Jesus. Amen.